guys, what's up? It's Kate. This is Date Fails. I'm excited for today's episode of Date Fails because I'm doing a swap cast with my dear, dear friend, Bronston Jones, who is one of my longest friends in LA. I've known Bronston since, gosh, I think I was still getting divorced when we met. Uh, and he's a comedian. He's worked with me many times. He has an amazing show in Venice called Venice Underground, which is at a speakeasy called Townhouse right in the heart of Venice. It's my favorite show in LA. Um, and Bronston is starting his own podcast. It's brand new. It just came out. It's called I Am What I Am. I Am What I Am with Y's like a yam. And, uh, I'm super pumped. So I did an episode of his podcast and I decided I would share it with you guys here so that you can get an idea of what it is. It's kind of fun because he interviewed me the whole time. So you'll get to hear someone asking me questions. My apologies. My voice is faded right now because I just got back from Florida and I got bronchitis there and I'm recovering. But, uh, I'm super excited about this podcast. I've got some great sponsors today. First of all, I'd like to say thank you to Bombas. Bombas socks. Guys, I love cool socks, but I also like socks that actually do their job, wick moisture, look cute, you know, hide when you need them to, fit the way you want them to. And I'm super pumped because I have as a sponsor now, Bombas Socks. Thanks to Bombas for supporting Date Fails. Bombas makes socks that are comfortable and look great for whenever you need with a wide variety of options. To get 20% off your first purchase, visit bombas.com slash datefails. Go check it out right now, guys. Secondly, today I've got another sponsor. Thank you to FabFitFun for supporting Date Fails. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. Guys, you're going to get great stuff in here. Use my coupon code DATEFAILS for $10 off your first box at fabfitfun.com. All right, guys, let's do this. Support my friend Bronston. You're going to love the podcast. I am what I am, we talked plenty about dating. Trust me. There you go. Really? Wow. Now yeah. we're recording. Surprise. Okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, good people, the I Amers. The so, I Amers? What's that? My podcast is called, I wanted to call it I Am What I Am, uh-huh. which is actually a Bible quote. And uh, like God, God says, I am that I am, or I am what I am, depending on the translation. He said, God said, I am what I am. Yeah. Somebody says, well, what are you? And he goes, I am what I am. It's the whole like, I am, I am the truth. I am the way. I yeah. Am I, I've heard that part. Yeah. I've never heard I am what I am. Well, it's basically God also saying, I am everything. So you have to believe it. You're like, that's self-defining. I don't like that. He says that. Yeah. And I like God. Yeah, he's, he's very, <laughs> he's very pompous. No, but I this mean, God like, character. it's like when people say it is what it is. I'm like, yeah. you're an idiot. Yeah, well, Ever, it is, of course it is. Say la vie means it is what it is. Or Nuh-uh, does it mean it, it means seize the day, the doesn't it? Say no. la vie. So, listen, our, our, our listenership has just gone down because they're like, Bron's an idiot. He doesn't know what the Wait, fuck he's talking say about. say la vie means... Or maybe it means that's life. I think it means that's life. I thought it meant seize the day. What means seize the day? 
Carpe diem. Yeah, you're right. But that's not that's Latin. I have say la vie. What if I got say la vie tattooed on me because I thought it meant seize the day and it just means <laughs> that's life. Hey, that's what it is. It is what it is. It's like my least favorite saying. Yeah. There it is. Okay, so I'm explaining the podcast to you. So I wanted to call it I am what I am, but there's already a podcast called I am what I am. And then I was thinking about Pipe by the Sailor Man goes, I am what I am, 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 what I am. I'm Pipe by the Sailor Man. Like is he Popeye? Popeye, you know, Popeye. Popeye the Sailor Man. Uh-huh. Yeah, of course I know him. He's the reason I eat spinach. Yeah. So, uh, actually, there's a new article that just came out that said eating spinach is like taking steroids. And there's actually people... In a bad way? No, like, way? Like, like muscle building, like a performance yeah, drug. Yeah, of course. That's why Popeye... But you'd have to eat up eight pounds of it in a day, which is hard for us, but it's not hard for somebody like Michael Phelps who, who eats 20,000 calories a day. I When I make smoothies, mm-hmm. which is my favorite food, yeah. I literally will go through one of those you know those bags like huge bags of spinach you buy mm-hmm. that's like five bucks for like a i don't know how big it is it's gonna yeah. be like a one pound or mm-hmm. i don't know anyway i'll go through one of those bags in three smoothies i love that me even describing the name to the show is already 10 minute podcast sorry <laughs> <laughs> guys welcome to so, this this should actually just be called like off topic because yeah. you can't stay on topic no, ever it's just add podcast um so anyway long story short is i'm interviewing mostly people who are in a second career like doing something because like when I moved out here I moved out here to, to work in film and then eventually I realized comedy was my real life passion so I switched and so so many of the people I've interviewed have been in careers for a while and then switched into another one found comedy late or it's about becoming in your 30s 40s when you realize this is who I am I'm you know because when you're 18 you think you're going to be that when you're 25 you think you're going to be this yes and then eventually in your 30s you go no I'm this and then I think in today's world now people in their 50s 60s they keep changing their life goal, their life career, because they're like, you know, we don't do that 50-year job anymore. I think you're right. Well, also, I think self-help is more popular than it used to be. Yeah. Because it used to be what, like, everybody's main goal in life was, like, make the most money, support your family, get married, have kids. And now it's changed to do what makes you feel good. Make me happy. happy. Exactly. Make me happy. Fuck everybody else. I don't think it's fuck everybody else, though. I just think it's... You love yourself first. Have I even introduced you by name yet? No, Kate, this is Kate Quigley, everybody. This is one of my best friends in the whole world. Yes. And uh, it is going to be hard for us to stay on topic because we just bounce around like crazy people. But you got to do the first part of this because I know who you are. A lot of people know who you are, but a lot of other people don't know who you are. More people so, don't. So, well, they're going to be a lot more, like at least 20 to 30 more will listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. It'll be more so than that. I have this game that I play, which is I'm going to give you a 30 second clock and you have to do a trailer. A 30-second trailer for Kate Quigg's life start. Oh, God. Start at birth and get to today. Start at birth to today, yeah, but 30 whole, seconds. But so, so so some people talk all career. Some people talk so all family. Some people talk per all relationships. Some all drugs. Okay. So you just, you, you're you going to determine the next... Because once the clock gets down to 10, that's when people start Can racing. I watch the clock? Yep. Are you ready? Three, okay. two, one. I was born in Ohio, a bald baby. I was bald until I was like four and everyone thought I was a boy, which is probably <laughs> why I'm the way I am, trying to overprove that I'm a woman, but I have a boy personality. I grew up wanting to work in show business my whole life. That's a true story. I was a brown belt in karate at one point, and then I got married at 19 and then I got divorced at 30 and then I moved to LA and then I hooked up with as many athletes as I could find and now I'm alone. <laughs> <laughs> and the annoying alarm goes off. I didn't know how to. 
Hello. That was really short. That was it's really shit. Short. I didn't even get to my career. I did it on another podcast and it was a minute and everybody could do it. But you get it down to thirty, so few people can. And then you start hearing people leave out their babies, leave out their kids and their wives, and you're like, oh, so that's not really what's important. They're like, well, that's that. that. That's <laughs> so interesting. You know what's weird is every single podcast I do and every show I do, yeah, for the most part. Unless I'm doing like 10 minutes now, but almost every show I do, I mention my marriage. It's always a setup to anything that I talk about because it's such a big part of my life. Yeah. And nobody in comedy knows that I was married. Like, it shocks me that it's, I talk about it everything I do, like everywhere I go. And then every time I start talking to a comedian who doesn't know me well, like outside comedy, they're like, I didn't know you were married. I'm like, does anyone listen to each other ever on, on podcast? Sta- no. On stage? Oh, even. on stage. I don't think I've ever. I mean, literally every show I do, for the most part, unless I'm doing a super short set, I always yeah. am like, I'm bad at dating because I was married from 19 to 30. I always start my act with that, so it makes sense to people. Okay. So the point is, I just don't understand how no one knows I was married because to me, that's like a massive part of who I am. Do you, do you not realize that comedians don't watch other comedians? Nobody knows what you did. We're just like good set because we heard a lot of laughter. That's it. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I watch you. No, I guess you're right. I guess it's just to me, it's like, it seemed to me like when I came into comedy, yeah. I had just gotten divorced. So it just seemed to me like it was like all I was was just a newly divorced person. Like that was my whole personality in my mind. So it's just shocking to me that like, no one ever realized. Like people thought I was just this party girl yeah. when I came in that had just been like fucking everyone and a whore or something. I don't oh, know you mean the way you are now? No, they just Brad, thought you were always the way you I are. I am now. not. You know I'm not. I know. I have had an on and off boyfriend for one month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know what's similar is because I was with I was with a uh, a girlfriend for fourteen and a half years. I know. And so and nobody knows that because I talk about being single and I talk about that other stuff. Because on stage, I'm sort of like, A, she's so awesome, there's not really a whole lot of funny stuff to it other than the fact that I fucked it up. So I don't really talk about it on stage. That's not true. Whereas, you know, you go through a breakup with a crazy person and it's fucking fun to talk about. Well, it's fun to talk about how you fuck up stuff too because that's self-deprecating. But you know what's interesting is stand-up has taught me the difference in what men and women even hear. Because after every show, all the women come up to me and they go... I could totally relate because I was in a really long relationship and now I'm trying to, and I'm a disaster and blah, blah, blah. And the men come up to me and they go, that bit you did about how we'll fuck any crazy bitch if she's hot enough, whatever. Like that's all they hear. And the women just hear the relationship stuff. Like it really is. It's interesting that they hear different things. I think, I think it's, yeah, we we're we're very focused on different. And I think it's also because when you're talking about guys, guys are listening because you're talking about us. And True. when you're talking about guys, women are listening because they're thinking about them. You know what I mean? Like they're thinking of their half of the, oh, yeah, I dated a crazy guy like that. Yeah, I get it. It's just funny how of everything I talk about that's so important. Yeah. Like on stage, I feel like I, I talk about messages that I actually think are like bigger than just some joke about an airplane or something. But then afterwards, all the guys are all the guys are just like that bit about fucking monkeys was pretty crazy. Like that's all yeah, they hear. We're all thinking about dumpster diving for, for Taco Bell. Um, Taco Bell meat. So wait, let me get now that you now that I, I just learned something new about you. I didn't know. I didn't know that you're bald until you were four. Tell Dude, me, Dude, I've never said that out loud. Is it because your hair is so light you couldn't see it or was like it didn't no. even grow? I was born bald. 
I mean, I had like the fun. <laughs> when she said I was born a bald baby, I'm like, everybody's born a bald baby except for those really, really, really hairy people. Well, yeah, most babies don't have much hair unless yeah. they're like Italian or right, it's whatever, Armenian. Yeah. I don't know. But like, it's like a Mediterranean is where, where you know. Actually, that lots whole of babies have hair. What are we talking about? I think it's because it's it's people with black hair that you see it because it's darker. Whereas, like, I had super blonde hair until I was like in like, 10, 11, 12 years old, it started going dark. Me too. I was bleachy blonde, like super blonde. Yeah. But yeah, so I was born with like a teeny, teeny bit of peach fuzz. But the difference between me and most girls is my hair really didn't like start growing till I was like four. Like, I was like legit. My mom would like put bows on my head like that kid. Really? They pierced my ears so people would know I was a girl. So that well that you know what you you say it's funny but I think it's true is you might actually behave differently because you you sort of you were treated in the way that boys are treated as a little kid meaning that that you continue to sort of because I do believe that we socialize our our, our people into some oh. stuff is biological like definitely I think that nurturing stuff is biological because a baby has to be nurtured by a, a mother in the wild you know and yeah the, and the the dude can just drop a load and fucking t- fuck off and uh <laughs> yes <laughs> so I, I do believe that women biologically are more nurturing and men are more like oh, i'm just gonna go out and kill something like well also this is interesting i never talked about this either but like i so my mom dressed me very girly yeah because i didn't have hair so she would like overly dress me girly i mean my mom would put me in like these little like easter sunday dresses for every day if you, every photo of me before kindergarten, I'm wearing like a, a dress, like I'm going to first communion. Really? Yep. And my first day of school, I still remember, I had on like a yellow dress and I had long hair and like little frilly socks and I went to school uh-huh. and, I, and I came home from school. I had white tights on. I came home, for, home from school and I had grass stains all over the knees. Of course the you did. You're six years old. I was five. Mm. But also... The point is, I I came home from school and I said to my mom, I want to be a boy. I don't want to dress like this. I want to cut my hair. Uh-huh. And my mom was like, okay. And my mom cut my hair short. I had like a short bowl cut and I dressed in boy clothes. I've got to see a picture. You For when this goes out, we're going to post pictures of you with a little bowl cut. I posted one once. I posted me in a karate gi with a mullet. I had no a legit way. mullet and a yellow belt karate gi. And I'm like six years old or seven years old. I only was friends with boys exclusively. Yeah, yeah. In fact, my birthday party in first grade, I only invited boys and other moms were like upset at my mom. Really? Like, like she like she excluded the girls for some reason. Like yeah, they well they thought it was like not okay to have like a co-ed birthday party. I invited like one girl. Well, that's not even co-ed. That's basically all boys. I know. So you were just chasing the boys. I wanted to be a boy. You know what the you know the funny thing is because I know you and is obviously you're a beautiful woman, but I totally. Thank consider you. you like like a dude friend like the We've way we talk to each it. other is dude friends i mean oh, i haven't even mentioned that yet you can feel free if you want to we bring told that, that on my podcast the story oh, of, how, of how we kissed yeah we kissed that one time we kissed one time you guys, so we drunk. kissed one time okay can i tell it <laughs> yeah you tell it okay so bronston and i have been friends since i literally like i first got divorced i've known you and jackson mcqueen the longest of any comedians definitely but also like anyone in la so um, <laughs> so we somehow became like really like mostly like drinking buddies and we yeah. would just get together and talk about relationships and it was never like Hang in Venice. 
yeah hang in venice we never it was never really like a sexual like i always we always had this fun like flirty vibe but it was never like there was no. never like we were trying to date it was just hanging and then one night we got super fucked up and we went back to <laughs> bronston's no we were at, we were at cabo well we were at a bar first yeah yeah but we kissed at your place okay because we went back, we, yeah, we were yeah, back yeah. there, and then I couldn't drive home because I was like too fucked up. So we hung out for a while. <laughs> but I remember I wouldn't come in the apartment. It was like yeah. outside because I was like afraid if I came in, we would cuddle. Oh, that'll ruin you. I'm just I can't now. We now I could cuddle you. Oh, and, and we wouldn't fuck. Look, look. oh, I've oh. grown. Like <laughs> <laughs> oh, I went oh to oh. <laughs> no, but I mean, like back then, I was so scared if I cuddled my guy friends. Yeah, yeah. Like something would happen. Do you cuddle guy friends? I've only I can only cuddle you, and actually, I tried to cuddle Jackson, and he got yeah. a boner, and we could never cuddle again. Yeah, well, like we should never cuddle them. Yeah. So, but so anyway, tell the story. So anyway, okay. So then, how did it? I don't know how it happened, but we started kissing. And we, yeah. we made out, and it was just tongue kissing. We didn't, even, I don't think you even touched a boob or anything. Nope. Like, nothing happened. Nothing. And then, we'll tell him why. Well, <laughs> no, you didn't tell me till the next day, asshole. I know, but now you know. Yo, that's why? Yeah. In the moment? Yeah, during it. <gasps> oh! That's, the part, the part she's leaving that? out is the part that, that the whole you being a no, boy your whole life. Wait, the next day when I talked to him, okay, we made out. At some point, I stopped it. I was like, I should leave. And then I left. Yeah. And then the next day, Bronston says, you know, it was weird. I barely remember, like, making out last night. But when I woke up, I thought I made out with a dude. <laughs> and I thought what you it meant was, was you, like, in no, your hazy it, memories thought I was a dude. Not in the moment. It's because you're such my dude friend that as we're doing this, every now and then I push back and I'm like... Oh no, that's a girl. Like all of a sudden, <laughs> you because you were such a dude to me, you should see Kate's face. I wish you could see the way I'm looking at him right now with so much disdain. <laughs> so yeah, during it, it was actually during that I had to keep double checking, and that's why when you were like, "I gotta go," I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, that's probably the best." <laughs> double checking. I have girl parts. I know. know. I was just looking at your face. That probably, that probably, that's probably not the right. You know why this, this is, is definitely going to go on Dave Fails, not on my yeah. podcast. This is so much better. You know why this is even more like actually insulting today? Yeah. Because on the 4th of July, I went to a um, gay nightclub in the Valley, which, by the way, we have to go to. This place right. was like so epically seedy. It was okay. amazing. It was like the kind of gay nightclub that in movies, like, people get murdered out back. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. It was awesome. So Murder. Yeah. Murder the gay club. <laughs> so, so Sounds like a book series. I mean, it, this place was like rainbows, but you knew there was like guns being trafficked out back. Like it was like... Like ghetto guy. It was dope. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this is where my... Gangster gay. Way, this is where all my shit got stolen, by the way. My wallet and like phone. Yeah. And See, that's why you think people getting murdered because you got robbed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Okay. So... um. I'm at this club and it turns out it's trans night. And okay. so it's like they have dancers and all the dancers are trans. And then like, you know, the crowd is mixed, whatever. But um, point is, after we left, I said to my girlfriend, I said, you know, what's weird is I got hit on more than usual at that gay club. Really? I got hit on by a lot of guys. Yeah, you're very twinky. Twinky? A twink. Twinks are the little tiny gay guys. Like, I'm a bear because I'm so huge and hairy. 
Well, and twinks are like the little tiny, really, and and usually like twinks and bears. Okay, but I'm not you don't a know these guy. gay terminology. I'm not a guy. I know, but here's but, what's funny. Wait, but here's what's funny and why it's the same as your story because she said, "Well, that makes sense. It was a trans bar." Yeah, because you wanted to be a boy when you were a little girl. Once you come to grips that, that you want to be a man, and just get your sex change, and then you could figure your life out. I don't want to be a man anymore. I just I think I have <laughs> a lot. I think I might have too much testosterone. Yeah, maybe. I, it, I myself it, in the face the mic. Also, I have too much testosterone. <laughs> also, you know what I wonder? Do you ever wonder this? Hmm. You know how some people are born with both parts? Yeah, yeah. Why well, hermaphrodite? This, yeah, I saw this episode of Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. where or maybe it was House, but <laughs> <laughs> but the person had a vagina, but his penis was growing on the inside. Ooh. So he had both parts, but he never knew. And sometimes I wonder that about me. If maybe I have a penis. <laughs> have you ever had to ask any of your boyfriends, like, did, when you were in there, did you, did you feel another dick? I don't mean a whole dick. I mean a big dick. <laughs> like, a, like a little, like a baby, like a starter dick. Like what a baby would have, but it never grew. Mm-hmm. Like, like just a giant clit? This is definitely your podcast, not mine now. <laughs> why can't we use it for both? Is this not supposed to be about this? No, I don't. No, it's it's about whatever we want to make oh. it. But I was, I was we're going to eventually get to how you found yourself. Well, that's as a what human we're talking being. about. Yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. Okay, it'll well, get there. So we're, we're starting with you being a boy, as a little kid. But I also was like, I'm not exaggerating. It sounds like I'm bragging. Well, I kind of am. But like, I was also like so athletic that I would compete in the boys. Like when we would have field oh, really? day. Yeah, like, you know like you, you have field day, like yeah, you yeah. can throw the farthest, you can hit. I would compete on the boys' teams, and I would come in like second place. Really? I swear to God. I mean, I, what age was this? Like what grade? Like elementary school to like sixth grade. Not like older. Because you know what the funny, the thing is, when I was in fourth or fifth grade, it's so funny I remember the girl's name, there was a girl in our class, uh, Dee Dee Anderson from Yardley, Pennsylvania, and... Um, she was faster than all the boys. She was like the like. I remember I when she when when we were running. It was one of those things of like I can't believe a girl beat me. But I'm like this girl beat everybody. Well, she was like the fastest. Like I wonder, if, I wonder what she's doing in her life now. She's probably like an Olympic athlete. And people are like yeah, of course she beat you. Probably not. Fart. Look at me. I was too. <laughs> well, here's the thing though. At that age, you're all the same size. Yeah, yeah. Like the reason guys are better athletes, I don't think it's like necessarily because they have a dick. It's because they're bigger, they're stronger, they get bigger. But if it's a guy that's my size, I probably could beat him in a race still. Why if he's not that why don't we? <laughs> there's a bunch of comics who are really, really short. Why don't we have a bunch of them? Why don't we start doing races? Between I should them? race Sandy Danto. Yeah, you and Sandy Danto. For the people who don't know, Sandy Danto is built like uh, Jim Belushi. John Belushi. John, have Belushi. you ever seen his audition tape that he made? Sandy Danto is very funny. He's a very funny mimic. Like a, oh, he's hilarious. Don't know. He's very funny um, impressionist too. He's he's great at doing other people's voices. Yes. And he does have a very John Belushi sort of look, just to his facial features and structure. And he, when there was there was rumors going around, somebody's gonna make a biopic for John Belushi. And what he did is he actually you can find the audition that John Belushi did for SNL, which is funny because he's not as funny as he is once he was got the the gig because he was so awkward and weird. But he's like, spit take or left take, right take, double right take, you know, like, and he's really naming the sort of like looks that are John Belushi looks and then the lifting the eyebrows. And he does the audition tape spot on. Like you can watch them side to oh, side. Sandy, and you mean. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, he's amazing. So He's amazing. So you and Sandy are going to race. And he almost got beat up on stage the other night. I don't know if you heard that. Uh, again, we're on tangents. Every comedian has almost been beat up on stage. No, this guy tried to, to jump him in Ontario. Literally, the people, they were ripping their shirts off. I almost got beat up in Winnipeg. Really? No, a dude. Yeah. All right, let's talk about your story. I don't know story. if I should talk about that, though. I, all I'm going to say is, like, because I don't want to throw the club under the bus. Let's just say this club didn't have security. Yeah. So when there's no security, it's up to the comedian... <laughs> Or the wait staff to like bounce someone who's belligerent. Yeah. And it just so happened. And I love this club. It's like one of my favorite clubs. It just so happened this one night there was a bachelor party. There was like kind of like a older group of women that were out by themselves that were just obviously like getting like hammered, which is cool. Yeah. And then so there was already a lot of like rambunctiousness, which you know me. I don't mind. Like I love that vibe, that party atmosphere. But if it's going on from too many different tables, it starts to become like a rock concert instead of a comedy show and then there's 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 chaos there's controlled chaos controlled chaos is great we're like like you we're on the edge of losing it at every moment but we still have it and this is losing it you're like oh fuck wait there's too many people you know a general rule of comedy is if the comedian speaks to you it's okay to answer them but you shouldn't ever yell out unless they address you first that's kind of probably the thing so like yeah don't yell at a play yeah, you wouldn't yell at a play or even a movie you wouldn't yell out. Why are you yelling at me? Yeah. But anyway, there was a dude in the front row, long story short, he was trying to impress the chick he was with. And to do it, he was trying to like add shit to everything. You know how that is. Yeah. And at one point I said, I said, you're cute to the girl. And he interrupted the bit and goes, don't you mean beautiful? Like, because I yeah. called her cute. Mm-hmm. I was like, bro, calm down. And then... He just wouldn't stop. Bro. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't stop. And then he said something like, uh, you know, you're kind of a bitch to me. And I go, um, I think you're confusing me for your mom. Is your dick getting hard? <laughs> like something like really mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once I said that, he got so pissed. And then at some point he left. And then when the show ended, I was angry that no one had like stopped the situation. Yeah. Like no one in the club. So I was like, I got to take a walk. I'm like angry. And I went for a walk in the parking lot. It was like a strip mall. And the dude came up to me. No way. Yeah, he was still there. He was like, you embarrassed me in front of my girl. And I was like, she wasn't your girl, dude. She was your friend. And I was like, she probably won't be your girl now. Like, yeah. I was kind of being a bitch. And he was like, it's fucked up. And he went to shove me. And no he was so way. drunk, he tripped and fell. Oh, my God. So my point is, I almost got in a fight. Okay. I would have won. That's but good. Everything was fine. But that's never happened to me before. It was kind of wild. So yeah, yeah. I was hoping I get to use my kung fu moves. I've only had one guy rush the stage on me. It was in Venice in the very first few months when it was crazy show down there. Yeah, and we had this woman who's actually become a good friend of mine who lived in Venice, but she's like, she's uh, like not proper English, but like like Manchester English. You know what I mean? Like the working class, the English, which okay. which those people could be loud and aggressive. Where you know we think English is like oh, fancy pants, and this is more like I'm gonna fucking kill you, motherfucker. You know? Yeah. And so she starts like heckling during the show because some people think that's a part of it and she's going on and on I'm finally like just shut up shut up you sea hag and I just start like ripping on her like what do you live on a goddamn boat you fucking live in the the spillage you know what I mean like a marina person which I love that we became friends later because she's like oh I love that you were doing that and I'm like but there was this Australian guy in the back and he goes don't tell her to shut up freedom of speech freedom of speech and I don't think people understand that exists for the government it doesn't exist for a private entity if I want to tell people shut the fuck up I tell them shut up you know like I mean, I have never, you know, I, it's hard for me to be mean to people, yeah. like even yeah. in, like even in my life on stage, whatever. That's why I don't do a lot of roast shows. I don't like to write yeah. mean jokes, but like, uh, 
I said shut the fuck up to a guy. Yeah. Sorry about the noise. If you guys can hear that. That's fine. No, we, we've recorded these outside with motorcycles and stuff going by. Ooh. Um, the sound quality is going to be horrible. Uh, <laughs> My entire podcast are like, how come this one's clean? I'm like, studio. No. I like it. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I told him to shut the fuck up. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. I've never but, had to do that. But wait, I got to finish this. So the Australian guy, he starts screaming, you guys, she can speak. She say whatever she wants. Freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. It's your country. Blah, blah. And then like, then all of a sudden he starts running up the side, like by the booth coming towards me. And I'm like, dude, she's out of here. And now because you sh- won't shut the fuck up, you're out of here. And he comes around the edge of the speakers. And fortunately, like a security guy kind of like grabbed him by the arm right before he got on the stage. Yeah. But at that point, I had already taken my hand and put it on the like the base pole on the microphone stand. So not the top pole. You were ready the to bottom hit him? one. I was, I was going to fucking swing that thing right at him because I'm like, do not try and hit me on my stage. The crazy thing, though, about that is if someone rushes the stage and you hit them first, they can still sue you. Like, here's what's nuts. Like, my ex-husband yeah. used to work in a retail store when we were like first dating. And uh, I remember... One of the things they told him is if someone is stealing something, yeah. just let them go. Because if you try to grab them, you touch them at all, yeah, yeah. they can sue you. Like, it's insane. But, but that's the thing is because every now and then you see these videos where people are robbing like a gun shop and then the people are running out with guns. I'm like, you can't fucking shoot somebody who's not armed. You can't shoot somebody in the back as they're running away. And But the thing is, if a guy's running towards me and he's going to hit me on stage, I have the right that self-defense even before he touches me if he's lunging at me like there's no stopping it. So, I'm, you know what I mean? I don't have to let him hit me before I go, oh, let me defend myself now. I mean, if it's on camera, then. Yeah. It's just that you never do. Well, I'm I, just glad it didn't happen because that would have ended my show in the very beginning. People would be like, oh, yeah, this, and then the host murdered somebody down the Oh, yeah, that would have been really bad, especially in Venice Underground because it's like a bunch of people underground. So if like some shit went down, yeah. it'd be hard to get out. I went to this club in Beirut called the Bomb Shelter. There was an actual actual bomb, bomb shelter? shelter. I love that, dude. They don't have laws there for like, fi- like what? Are, what do we call it? Fire code or whatever. Like the yeah, max yeah. number of people that can be in a space. Like fire or, capacity, like dude, exit rows, everything. I'm telling you, I'm down there. The place was probably like, probably safely could have like maybe 200 people in it. Yeah. There had to be like 400 people in this place. 500 people, so packed together yeah. that if I kept saying, I'm like. If anything happened, everyone here is dead. Like yeah, everyone yeah. is dying. There's two exits. The place is massive and there's like no way out. Plus yeah. everyone was smoking. They're smoking too? Oh, it was honestly like, I mean, I had the best time in Beirut, but it was definitely like everything is different there. Just like. Like you're not in America. You're not yeah. in Kansas anymore, Toto. I mean, it was still really fun. Before I talk any more about Beirut though, let's get into the sponsors Real quick, guys, both my sponsors are very cool this week, as usual. First of all, we've got FabFitFun. FabFitFun is so cool. Uh, It's a 2019 FabFitFun fall box that is on sale right now. Basically, what happens is you order a box. It comes to you. It's a women's lifestyle subscription box filled with full-size premium beauty, lifestyle, fitness, home, and wellness products sent straight to your doorstep each season. Basically, FabFitFun takes the hassle out of shopping by doing it for you. Each box is customized to your specific interests, and they deliver the seasonal must-haves you need. This is great for someone like me because I don't have time to shop. I don't really enjoy going out and shopping, and I'm bad at picking things out for myself. So the fall box is the perfect way to treat yourself or others. 
and keep cool with carefully curated products. As you transition from summer vibes to fall sweaters, FabFitFawn wants to give you back your time by shopping for you. It's that simple. You save um, money by doing this, you know? You save on time by doing this. These deals don't last long. So guys, you've got to go. Check it out. The boxes sell out fast, so sign up for yours today. Uh, some of the items are customizable, so you can go online and look to see what you're interested in on the FabFitFun website. You can get a FabFitFun membership, which goes beyond the box itself as well. So guys, go browse around the site, fabfitfun.com, and figure out what you would like to get in your $49.99 FabFitFun box. This box is worth over $200. It retails for $49.99. And if you use my coupon code DATEFAILS, you get $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. That's $10 off your first FabFitFun box when you use my code DATEFAILS at FabFitFun.com. Don't waste time. Go check this out. It's a really cool deal, guys. Secondly, I've got Bombus socks. Man, these socks are cool. You guys, what I want you to do is go to bombussocks.com right now and just look at the variety that they have. How often do you think about your socks? I used to, not that much, but recently I discovered Bombus socks it kind of changed the way I think of socks in general. They're really comfortable. They're so soft. They're natural cotton. Every pair comes with arch support. I have a high arch. I look for a lot of arch support, a seamless toe, a cushioned footbed that's comfy but not too thick. They've got lots of colors, patterns, lengths, styles. Bombas look great in the gym, at the office, out on the town. And for every Bombas purchase you make, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need, which I think is very cool. So I just ordered a whole bunch of socks. I'm in desperate need of new socks. I travel so much, I'm constantly losing socks. And uh, I think you guys will really enjoy them. I want you to go right now to bombas.com. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash date fails for 20% off and get 20% off your first purchase. That's right. Bombas.com slash Date fails, B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash date fails for 20% off your first sock purchase. Guys, please, please, please support the sponsors who support the podcast. They're keeping me fed. I haven't wasted away. I still have a home. Uh, and that is largely because you guys are supporting the sponsors. So please do. I love you. Now, back to talk of Beirut. But it's definitely, here's what was also hilarious about Beirut is everything was 10 years old that was cool. Yeah. Like 50 Cent would come on and they'd be like, oh my God, 50 Cent. And I you're like, that. what? 50, <laughs> he's still playing? He's still here? That's like the, the I don't know if it's still this way, but in the 80s, whenever we'd see videos from Japan, is what was really cool was stuff from the 70s and from like the 50s, 60s, 70s. Like they're always like kind of a decade behind I don't. Th I can't imagine it's the same way now because the internet gets everything everywhere so fast. But I could see it being in a place like Beirut where they're not like I wonder as why. dialed in. I wonder why. I think it's because it used to be we'd release a movie here or a TV show and it wouldn't get anywhere else in the world for like five, ten years, and so they're always kind of lagging behind us. 
And I think in the the I think the fifties kick in Japan might have happened because of movies like Greece in the seventies, where they were kind of looking back to the fifties. I don't really know, but I, I just remember seeing all that stuff where like people dressed like like they fell out of the outside the outsiders or something. You're like, that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, it was it was actually really fun. It was like going and and randomly, this is also hilarious. We went to a um, a nineties night at a club, and all the music was like eighties because for them <laughs> for there, them that was the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> I went to this renaissance fair, but everybody was living in caves because <laughs> while we were having the renaissance, they were in caves. Yeah, it was really funny. It was um, weird. All right, let's get back to you and your, your life story. Yes. So you grew up in Ohio, mm-hmm. small town or, or big city? Canton, which is, well, it wasn't really Canton, but it was like a suburb of Canton. So smallish, not like super small farm town. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like when I was growing up, like I remember in high school, we got an old Navy and it was like a big deal. There really? was one mall. It, my town where I'm from has really changed. When I was a kid, uh, next to my house on one side, there was a house and the other side, there was just a huge field. Yeah. And then like I would walk to these woods where I'd like catch frogs and like, I mean, I was really like, I would, I would fish. I would, yeah. I would slide through like sewer ditches when it rained and stand up and be like covered in worms like that was like my life growing up you were totally a little you're a tomboy i was a tomboy but i was also like a hick yeah but i wasn't from a hick town now now if you looked at the parking lot in your high school was it mostly pickup trucks um pickup trucks but also like old like ford beat up ford escorts like 80s cars i don't know okay but there i mean but the thing is i went to the wealthiest I went to the wealthiest public school mm-hmm. in the county, okay. but my family wasn't rich. So I was like the poor kid yeah, yeah, yeah. at the rich school because my mom and dad bought a house because um, my dad made good money. So my mom and dad bought a house mm-hmm. and in this great neighborhood. And then my dad left and quit his job and didn't pay child support. Oh, really? So suddenly my mom was strapped with like this house. and How many, Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, there's three of us. I didn't. Even, I, I real. I feel like I've heard you talk about a brother, but I didn't know other. So, a, what are you? Where are you in the mix? I'm the middle, obviously. Of course, I can't. Tell. I'm the middle child too. Yeah, my brother's a year and a half older. I was a surprise baby. Okay. And then my sister's four years younger. And then I now have three step siblings that, ironically, I've known my whole life because my mom married like a neighbor. So I grew up with these three kids. We were like best friends. Okay, so there's six of you guys kind of Six total. total now. So, you know, like the Brady Bunch. Yes, but really, truly like the Brady Bunch. Yeah. But this, the other three kids, like my mom didn't marry him until I was like 18. So what's crazy is my mom and dad split up in fourth grade. Okay. My, my mom was essentially a completely single mom until I was 18. She never went on dates. Like, I mean, all yeah, yeah. she did was work. And so the point is... I remember growing up, I was such a brat because I was like angry because I was embarrassed to be the poor kid in this school. Like, I was wearing hand-me-downs. Like everybody in our school had money. Yeah, so yeah. it was like, but now as an adult, I'm like, holy shit, my mom like fucking, like the fact that we didn't move and she yeah. managed to keep that place and keep us at that school. My mom, uh, my dad left when I was seven. And so from third grade till, she never really remarried until like maybe 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, and she dated different guys, but she was all about work and all about trying to support me and my brother and my sister. And uh, we had we we left our town and actually moved into my grandmother's place because my grandfather had left my grandmother. And so it was like my grandma was like, "Oh, I'll help." And uh, 
so it was, and it was a really nice place. Like my grandfather made a lot of money back in the day. Yeah. And, um, but that's why when, when people ask me how I feel about like, like are are men and women equal and stuff? I go, I, the only example of a woman I can relate to is the most powerful human being I've ever met. Me my too. My mom, like my mom, I didn't even know this till later. Cause I never, when you're young, you don't think about how shit is getting paid for. But yeah. like when my, when I was a kid, me, my brother and sister, I still, you know me, Bron. I never watch TV. I'm always out doing stuff. Yeah. I'm like really active. That's cause when I was a kid, literally my brother, sister and I were in, everything we wanted to try if i was like yeah. i want to try soccer i was in it yeah, everything yeah. i played every sport dance class i was a majorette i did like everything did your mom let you quit um the only thing my mom wouldn't let me quit that i absolutely hated but now i'm kind of grateful she made me do it for a yeah. while was banned okay she made me be in band until i was a sophomore and i hated yeah band but in hindsight i'm actually grateful because i can read music yeah so. My, my mom was very much like if I joined a team, I had to stick out at least the season. You know what I mean? Like, because oh, you, you'd be yeah. doing something, and I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't want to play hockey anymore. I quit, or I don't want to play soccer. She's like, No, you joined the team. You oh, have to finish out yeah. your commitment to them. My mom would never let me quit that. Are you yeah. kidding? My mom's rule was like when we would get hurt. Yeah. My mom was like, If you're not bleeding or throwing up, I don't want to hear about it. Like literally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so there was a couple of times. I remember one time I was a really good soccer player. I remember one time playing soccer. I got hit so hard in the back of the head with a soccer ball that I was literally like, you know, seeing stars. Oh, yeah, yeah. I almost threw up. I started crying. You probably had a minor concussion from your brain sloshing around in your skull. Yeah. And I looked over at my mom on the sidelines. And in that case, I'm sure she would have been okay if I came off the field. But I looked over and saw her mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm not bleeding. I'm trying I'm not to might up throw up. I'm not. <laughs> I better not go over there. So I just kept playing. I was like crying while I was playing, but yeah. like that's the way I was brought up. But that's why I'm. You know. That's why I, I honestly think that that makes you a stronger person today. Makes me a stronger person today because my mom also didn't really believe in illness. Like you know, it was like, like we never, we rarely, um, like if I if I was sick. She would take me to a doctor, but if I was just like, I don't feel well, she's like, yeah, you're going to school unless you really have a Same. fever or, and also like my mom's gone through stuff where she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do a vitamin or a, 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 what do you call it? Like an aspirin, but I don't think she's ever been on a legit painkiller in her life. We didn't really, you know, we were vaccinated, but other than vaccines, she's kind of like, why would you take all these medicines? Cause it fucks with your whole biology. Yeah. Well, my and, mom has lupus and it's crazy. Cause I know she's in a lot of pain sometimes and stuff and she never complains. So that's yeah. why I have like such a low tolerance for like victim mentality. Cause it's like, yeah. I look at people that are like, Oh, my life is so hard. Cause like, you know, I'm being audited, whatever. I'm like, my, like, I know people that are in pain all day yeah. for days at a time. Like get over it. Like they're not complaining. Yeah. My mom never complained and she'll never like, my mom had a heart attack and didn't even know or tell anyone. Am I yelling? Um, no, no. You're just pulling the mic away. So oh, mic control. I'm a lot louder than you oh, I know. and I'm not wearing headphones, so I, I can't tell. That's fine. Um, but anyway, but what was I going to say? There was a point to this whole thing about my mom uh, that I was trying to get at. Oh, but what's crazy and awesome is um, the guy that ended up being my stepdad, who yeah. my mom ended up marrying, was like pretty much my father anyway. Because when my mom and dad split up, our next door neighbors... Uh, we're like, I spent so much time at this guy's place. I was yeah. friends with his kids and he taught me to drive. Really? Yeah. He taught me to drive. He bought me my first car. Honestly, he bought so, me my first drink. 
I had my first beer there. He was I that think, dude. I think about this though. If if you guys got married at if they got married when you were eighteen, they were probably dating when you were fourteen. They weren't. He was married. Oh, okay. It honestly was just one of those situations where like, you know, I think over time him and his wife was awesome. They kind of just became um like almost family. Yeah. And then, you know, him and his wife were like me and my ex-husband. They just got married so young and over time they realized it wasn't right. And mm-hmm. then it no, because it wasn't and she does that does his ex-wife get along with your mother? I mean, yeah, like they're not like all pals anymore because that'd be a little weird. But yeah. like, yeah, they're still at the same functions and stuff sometimes because like birthday parties. Because it's a small town outside of Canton, Ohio. Well, and also like there's grandkids and stuff now. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, I'm so lucky because that guy is like, that guy was the example for me of a good like guy. Yeah, like like a strong male. That, that's that's decent yeah he takes care of my mom so i try to look at him as an example of like what to look for in a guy clearly i don't yeah. do very well <laughs> no yeah no no that sounds healthy that's just in case anybody wants to know that's my constant refrain to, to kate she'll tell me something about her personal life i'm like oh yeah that, that sounds healthy i mean i think i broke up and got back together with this guy three times in one weekend <laughs> last night anyway so uh, <laughs> anyway so all right so you're 18 your mom's remarried. You're graduating from this nice public school in in Ohio, and then I know that you. I didn't. I did not find this out from you. I found this out from someone else that you went to like a theater program, like a very, very, yes. very exclusive, nice one, because of wonderful Graham from New York City. Uh, he used to run the. Um, remember, I sent you. Oh, the- Graham. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a guy who's a bartender at the stand, or used to be. I don't I, know if he still is. He was running brunches, but they closed for a year. I don't know if he's back with the new stand, but I love this guy. Like he, he's a his sweetheart. Graham brunch, and it was like a huge deal when he did brunch. Like, and he's just the the most adorable, fucking amazing, funny guy. Because he was like, "Hey, Ron, how you doing?" And then we when went he, to college together. Yeah, when he told me he went to theater school, I'm like, "Yeah, of course you did," and that's why you're in New York. For sure. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know Kate Quigley? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, we went to college together. And I'm like, what? Yeah, what's crazy is... I love I, him. I was I had the hugest crush on him in college. <laughs> and he wasn't out of the closet. Now he's out of the closet, yeah? <laughs> Pretty far out. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. But in college he was straight. Or it was still... Like, he was dating women. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, that was... Cause what year was that? Like, right around when? Um, 2000, like... Uh, 2000 to 2000 or 2001 to 2005 or something like that yeah i'm 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 i love that kids now can come out like they can experiment and learn stuff because you know i graduated high school in 1988 in the 80s the worst thing you could say about somebody is that they're gay because it's like everybody was homophobic and, and like just like just to think that people were repressing that forever and actually there were two guys in my high school that came out and i was like like now that i look back on it i'm like those two guys are like the most brave secure people who've ever walked because like to, yeah, it was scary and, back then. And I was pretty much in an all boys school too, which made it even more like people like, oh yeah, because everybody's terrified that they're gonna, you know, something's gonna happen to them with another boy. You know, it was really weird mm. that I was thinking about just the other day because the guy I've been dating is black, and like, I was thinking the other day about like the town I grew up in at the time I grew up was not only pretty racist, but like you're yeah. saying like gay like gays weren't that accepted i mean i even remember when like these indian people moved into the neighborhood like some people were like they wear those like dots on their whatever and i don't know how this happened because my mom was raised by people that were really judgy and like uh like 
I mean, conservative, like probably racist. I mean, like my mom wasn't raised in a very open-minded environment, but my mom was so cool about that. Like my mom was real. There were some things she was like not cool about, like drinking. And I mean, granted, I was a child, but I mean, like, yeah. like drinking. Well, my mom hated it when I got hammered at six. No, but like my mom was like the mom that was like, you have to get straight A's. You absolutely can't smoke. You can't like everything was yeah. like straight edge in that regard. But my best friend was black. The first guy I had a crush on was black. I used to bring like, I don't know. I, I attracted like I used to bring like guys that would put on makeup around. Like I always brought like, like goths or like girl goths and like gay guys. Like there was this guy that was like a drag queen who worked at Spencer's at the mall. And we became friends. His name was Eric. And I, was, like, I love that he worked at Spencer's. I know. Right. How but, perfect. But my mom never batted an eye. She never treated any of those people differently. And so, like, I remember my best friend, her name is Marlia. She was Miss Ohio eventually. Yeah. She was my best friend from sixth grade or fifth grade until I graduated. She, like, I never thought of her as black. Yeah. And then one time we were out and someone made fun of her hair and called her, like, nappy head or something. And she started crying. And I didn't even understand what racism was until I saw that. Because I wasn't raised with it. So I feel really like grateful that, and I don't know how, like sometimes I wonder like how my mom didn't, wasn't like that. I think, I think that's pretty, um, I mean, it's the norm now and it's so weird to say this, but it's, it's very progressive for that period Right. because I grew up outside of Philly and I got to tell you, there's, there's a lot of racism in Philly and, um, a lot of East coast cities. And so like our town never, you know, there was nothing like, like physical nobody's yelling at each other but there's definitely like there was like a, ooh, who's this this asian kid you know what i mean like because i knew like maybe three kind of growing up you know what the weird thing is is that i grew up outside of philly is i want to say 25 i would feel like 20 25 of my classmates were jewish because i remember all their bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvah coming up and so when i get to the when i went to like colorado and then you see the stats it's three percent five percent max in the country i'm like what are you talking about it's like every other every other one of my friends you know what i mean like like interesting like like the Jewish Christian thing wasn't really a thing other than that. Oh, they, they go to that church and they talk about, they don't have Jesus and we have Jesus. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I didn't know any Jewish people. That is one thing I never knew Jews or if I did, I just didn't know because religion wasn't a thing we really talked about yeah. as kids. I don't know. But until I moved to LA, I didn't really think about it. All right. So tell me about your theater school. Let's okay. So this. I went to Chicago college of the performing arts. Well, I was also in a theater school in high school. I actually went to a theater like, um, vocational theater program my senior year of high school i didn't go to a regular high school really uh-huh yeah oh, so. so you so you've always wanted to do this oh something in the performance. from when i was like a child i mean yeah. i always was on stage like i did plays musical theater when i was like four like professional one like like you were the well, little I mean, kid like in like a, in the community theater, like, theater yeah, play little angel or whatever christmas yeah. carol yeah all that shit did you did you put on like little plays with your friends like in the house and your brothers and sisters I have told this story on Joey Diaz and it sounds yeah. terrible, but I used to not only write scripts and direct them because yeah. my mom ran a daycare. Oh, I don't want to get my mom in trouble. My mom ran it's a daycare. It's not going to get her in trouble if they, unless, unless like scandalous stuff was happening in your play. I would make the kids kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I would write scenes where I'd be like, Joey, you and Rebecca are on a date in this scene and you have to kiss her and then and Joey would be like five and be like I don't want to kiss her it's gross yeah. I'd be like it's in the script and I would make them the, the playwright has spoken <laughs> yeah but I always did I remember auditioning for 
every like every time they'd have one of those like casting like Hollywood like we're auditioning for Double Dare we're auditioning for I would go to every single thing yeah I begged my mom to move to LA so yeah my whole life I wanted to and then so like you were as a kid you were like I want to move to LA like because you knew Hollywood on. like because you knew this is where it was Hollywood yeah like you didn't really you probably didn't even know the words Los Angeles you just knew the word Hollywood I would watch um I would watch um Home Improvement yeah. And when they would show the outtakes at the end of the show, mm-hmm. I would be like, that looks so fun. I want to do that. I always wanted to do it. Yeah. And then anyway, I went to theater school. And then I guess for me, so like what's weird is the way that I changed job wise is yeah. I always wanted to act. And then, I mean, I know it's pretty much the same, but like I always wanted to act and I thought I wanted to act and I still like acting, but acting was more forced for me. Like I wasn't as passionate as I am about stand-up, and I never knew that. Like, stand-up is an accident. I, I think, I feel like it's that way for a lot of people, like, because I, I have no real acting ambitions. I, there's a great quote from Carlin where somebody said that in the 80s they thought he sold out because he was doing all these, uh, like he had a sitcom or whatever. And oh, he was he has, on that Thomas the Train show or whatever. Yeah, and he, was, he had some show where he was a ca- taxi cab driver, and he said, he was, I just looked at doing anything acting or any of that other stuff as a way to promote people coming to see me on stage. Of course. And that's all I care about. And so if that gets them there, then I'm, I'm okay with doing that. The other stuff is work. This is my I mean, passion. I really love acting more now. Yeah. But I think it's also like, um, I know I notice stand-up has made me a better actor. When I go on auditions, yeah. I'm so much more in the moment. I'm more vulnerable. Stand-up strips you down. So like, I remember acting thinking about, do I look ugly doing this? Do I, I remember being in my head. Now I'm never yeah. in my head anymore. That's the difference. I think, I think that comes from a is I think stand-up's a great tool for, uh, cause I moved out here to direct and to, to write. And, um, when I discovered stand-up and really fell in love with it, I'm like, this is the greatest thing because I'm writing my own thing. I'm directing my own thing and I'm performing it, but only in the way that I want. And in this moment. And I think that when you go into an audition now, cause you've stood on stage so many thousands of times in control, that you feel like, oh, I'm in control of this little room. It's also and confidence, in, yeah, like control, but also like stand-up makes you learn to not care if you fail yeah. because you fail all the time. Like you try a new joke, you fail. Yeah. You're like, whatever, it, who cares? It's, it's sort you of stop like, caring. And if you ever, you know, if you're in the middle of a bomb, you're almost having a good time because you're like, you're like, I can't wait to tell everybody about how bad this bomb is. You're like, I'm not even going to try and fix it at this point. Let's just <laughs> fucking drive into the ground. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, I think, you go into an audition, if it doesn't go well, it's like, you're like, or even if you don't get, it just makes you used to rejection, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's what it is. Or maybe that's just age. The older I get, the more rejected I've gotten, where I'm oh, like, please. oh, I'm over that girl in a, in a week. As a, it used to take me like a month to get over somebody. Now I'm like, ah, it didn't work out. Let's move on to the next. I wish I was like that. Um, yeah. So, okay. So you go to acting school. So I go to acting theater school, school, Chicago. But you're married already. Yeah. When did you get married? I literally got married when I was 19 and then like freshman year of college. Yep. Okay. Freshman year of college, get married. Um, I did one year of school in Ohio because I was trying to get, I couldn't afford that school, the acting school. Mm -hmm. So I did one year to try to get my grades up to try to get a scholarship somewhere. And then I ended up um, getting an acting scholarship. So I was lucky. But anyway, I went there. Uh, got married. Literally, we like packed a truck and like moved Chicago like a week after the wedding. So Chicago was. That's where I went to college. So basically, you guys got married. You moved to Chicago. Yeah. He's in, so he's from your town. Yeah. 
Okay. So it's not even like you met him in college in Chicago. You met him. You knew him before. I knew him in high school. You know, were you guys dating in high school? A little bit. Okay. Like senior year. So then you guys moved to Chicago. Uh Uh-huh. And how long did you guys stay in Chicago? Five years. Five years. Six. Five or six years. Five or six years. I moved here when I was 24. You moved to LA at 24? Yep. Okay. So you're in, you're in there from, yeah, 19 to 24. Yeah. And... So that's two years. So you spent two extra years in in yep. Chicago after college yep. doing what? Uh, I was acting. I was doing improv. I was doing theater. And I was doing like, uh, you know, promo, hot girl shit, like bar promo stuff. Oh, like, yeah. oh you, you did that car I stuff for a while, I did that forever. Right? Yeah. Miller Lite girl, car girl. I started emceeing events. That's kind of how I got into doing stand-up too. I started emceeing stuff, emceeing events at like state fairs and like NASCAR and like sporting events and I would like interview people on camera a little bit of hosting and then it just kind of happened okay and then what made you finally say this is it I'm going to LA I always was going to move to LA yeah and then one night I was at a bar this story's old too because everyone's heard it but one night I was at a bar and an old man that I was talking to was like what do you want to be and I was like an actor and he's like why are you here and I was like well I'm going to move to LA eventually it's just I have a condo here and like whatever my husband has a job here the guy was like, I always wanted to move to L.A. and be an actor. This guy was like 70. And he was like, and then I got married, I had kids, and before I knew it, I'm still here. And he seemed so sad. Like, I felt yeah. all this regret, like, oozing off him. <laughs> he was like the ghost of Christmas past. Yeah. And I was like, I'm never going to be this dude. And I went home that night and told my now ex-husband, I'm moving to L.A. Like, I got to. It's time. Like, life is short. And like a week later, I was driving to L.A. Like Pat- one week after talking Not even to- a week. Do you, you know, like I'm you, impulsive as fuck. Do you know how many country songs have some young guy talking to an old guy in a bar and changing their life and it's because real. of some old dude? Yeah, and then the best your part, life is a goddamn country song. I packed the whole car with all my <laughs> shit, so I moved to LA with a Ford Focus, with just what I could fit in a Ford Focus. Yeah, moved here, rented a house from a guy on Craigslist that I never met. <laughs> A room in a house. <laughs> I love the Craigslist is around then. Okay. Dude, I put my photo on Craigslist and said, who has a room? <laughs> That's how stupid I was. How many offers did you get? A hundred? <laughs> a lot. And then I'm driving here and in the middle of the road in Nebraska, my engine fell out of my car. No. Fell out. Your, your car broke engine down. fell out. The whole, like, so you, you're, you're carless. The fucking like screws that hold the engine in place all at once sheared off and like the engine went thud on the ground and the car skidded to a halt. Thank God it was like the middle of the night. No one was around or I probably would have got hit. Yeah. So I'm like, this is fate. I shouldn't be moving to L.A. And I I would take that as a pretty big sign. Yeah. And I have my car towed to this shop and I thought this is going to be like thousands of dollars and I'm already broke and and uh the guy, I got a hotel room for the night, and the guy called me in the morning, the mechanic guy, mm-hmm. and he said, good news. <laughs> How do you have good news when your engine falls out? This is a, fu- listen, this is a testament to Ford that my car was just past the warranty point, so they wouldn't do anything for free, but yeah. damn, those things are built Ford tough, because that guy goes, I went to the um, trash dump place, whatever, <laughs> yeah, he said, I found the screws you need, it's 25 bucks 
Car's good to go. Your engine's fine. Wait, for $25, he remounted an engine? He re- All it was was just picking it up and screwing it back in. He said nothing was wrong with the engine when it fell on the ground. Nothing broke. Like, as, as his engine's skidding down the freeway yeah. at 65 to a dead halt, nothing, no nothing. damage happened to it. And that car lasted me three more years. Oh, my God. Yeah. So That's, that's, that's insanity. Honestly, yeah. It was pretty amazing. So then I drove it the rest of the way out here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's great. Wow. Okay, so you get here 24, and you're going to be an actress. Then what happens? And then uh, I started working. I got lucky. I got, like, a gig pretty quick. I got... I got my SAG card pretty fast. Yeah. I started doing extra work and I got lucky a couple times and got like, if you do a commercial and you're supposed to be an extra, but then they feature you, you by accident, bump. you yeah. get paid extra. Yeah, so that happened. And I mean, I was getting lucky because I was just hustling. I was happy. I lived with that guy off Craigslist for one month and he was insane. Yeah, he's looking at pic- chick's pictures on Craigslist yeah. going, oh yeah, I live with that. Yeah, I moved out. And I lived in a Section 8 building in like a shithole apartment. Yeah. And I slept on the floor with like, I had no fridge. I was so poor, you guys. And then my ex-husband came out to visit me at one point and he'd never been. He'd mm-hmm. never been to see the place. He what? walked in and saw how I was living and just felt like, oh my, he felt so bad. He was like, you can't live like that. Like, I can't let you live like this. Like, it was literally, I was sleeping on a mattress on the floor that would deflate like every night yeah. while I was asleep. And then I had like one TV stand with like a laptop. Yeah. And like, that was it. And like a microwave. <laughs> <laughs> like I had nothing. Like the, I used to joke that the homeless guy in front of my building had more furniture on the sidewalk than I had in my apartment. But I had a pool. Yeah. So it's better than now. You're like, I'll be outside. And no, seeing how you are when you're in Vegas or anywhere with a pool, or even when you're up in the, in the, the, the Northwest. I love the pool. Yeah. I'm obsessed with pools. I go to the pool every day, everywhere. Yeah, so you were fine. You're yeah. like, I live in Melrose Place. I need a pool now. Um, okay, so when did, but you moved to Venice at some point. That's how I met you. Yeah, so then I moved to Venice. Um, yeah, I lived in that place for a couple of years, and then and then I lived all over LA. I mean, I've been here now like twelve years. So yeah. at some point, I always wanted to live by the beach. So then I started looking in Venice. I lived in Venice in a studio at first by Windward and Pacific, like right by the Venice sign. Oh, right, yeah, right by my venue. My ex-husband and I, you know, we ended up splitting up because just we wanted different things. But like, did he ever intend to move here with you? He did. He did move here with you. He moved here. Yeah, I was only out here by myself like six months, and then he moved here. Okay. Um, and then, but I was gonna say like. We shared a studio apartment that's for, a lot. for a year. No, but we got along. Like that's like a real testament to a relationship. We really never fought much. We were like really we really did get along. It's just we didn't have that like romantic spark. Yeah. But anyway, then I moved uh to another building in Venice and then back over here to The reason I came back to Hollywood is cuz I loved Venice, but you know. Yeah. Oh, it's easy to get trapped Venice there. Venice is home. To me, nowhere has ever felt more like home. I think it's cuz I got divorced living in Venice. So so I lived with my ex in Venice for the first two years, and then we divorced. And then I lived in Venice another two years by myself, or three. And uh, I think that Venice is home to me because that's really where I like found myself. Because until my, the divorce was the hardest thing I've ever gone through, but it changed me forever because I really had never been alone, ever. Yeah. Like, I got married so young. I went from my parents to a husband and I never had to be alone. And I didn't know anybody in LA like outside of this group of girls that I was doing promos with. And when I got divorced, 
Um, I stopped doing that pretty soon after, and I just, I didn't know anybody. So it was really like starting over. It was wild. Yeah. But that's why when I go to Venice, I feel like that's like where I feel... We love it when you're there. Every time, every time you come there, people are like, "Why didn't you tell me she was coming?" I'm like, look at the Aww. promos. Like people, people get so upset, or people are like, how's, "How's Kate?" I mean, Bronson knows this, but like, if I get stressed out in the middle of the night, if I have anxiety, I can't sleep. I'll just drive to Venice. Yeah, just and I feel down, better. Hang at the pier. It's wild. I hit him up at two thirty in the morning. And be like, "Are you awake? Meet me at the pier." It's weird, but yeah. it makes me feel calm. It's a very calming place. Yeah. So anyway, but then, but then one day I was at the beach. And uh, I was just looking around at all these dudes that were like 40 partying in the middle of a Tuesday playing beer pong and shit. And Are you all, talking about me? Were you looking at me at this you. point? No, not you. But like, It could have been. <laughs> <laughs> but you go back and forth from New York and yeah, Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. And like, no, I have to get out of there to realize that it's not spring break every day. Of my that's life. the problem. Yeah. When you're there, all these guys were like, I want to be an actor. But I'm like, you're playing beer pong at four o'clock on a Tuesday. Like, it's never going to happen. Yeah. So I had to move back to Hollywood just to grind it out. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I did. And once I moved back here, I just started pounding the pavement and doing comedy every night. And then. So when did, when did you discover like, com- like when did comedy take over your life? Really? When I got divorced. Yeah. I mean, I was doing stand up from the first year I moved here a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it was never like, well, it was hard when I was married. I won't lie. Like, I mean, it, it is hard when you're in a relationship starting comedy because comedy takes all your time and dedication. It takes every night. Every night. You got to be out every night. And no one can be involved in your creative process. Like, no. you can't have somebody telling you that's not funny. Don't say this. Don't. You have to be really, really free. So for me, when I was married, it was a struggle. Yeah. Once I got divorced, I had nothing else to do. Yeah. And also, I felt like I had a chip on my shoulder because I got divorced. I felt like I left him partly for my career. Yeah. So I was like, now I have to make it or I left this wonderful man for no good reason other than sex or whatever. Yeah. Like, I left him to do this, so I got to make it. So I just fucking like, grant, like buckled down. Well, see, when I fir- first moved out here, I had a, um, I had a, a girlfriend that I was with, and we were together forever. And it, uh, almost every podcast, you'll hear about her. But uh, I, I was doing comedy then as a, sort of a hobby. But the interesting thing is that I couldn't talk about my real life because I never wanted to throw her under the bus. I never exactly. wanted to embarrass her, and I wanted to protect her or protect me in our relationship. And it wasn't until, you know, we were broken up for a while and then I got back in, because I took a five-year break, and I got back in that on stage I could talk about my breakups. Not with her, because there's nothing fun, because she's so amazing, but with the other people that I go through breakups with. And just, and I never, you know, like you said earlier, is you you never throw them under the bus, you throw me under the bus. Even if somebody was a horrible person, I'm the idiot for bringing a horrible person into my life and allowing them, like, yeah, yeah of I'm always the joke because at the end of the day, I'm trying to fix me. I don't, I can't fix her, so why, why yell about her? I will say that I have had a few things I have regretted putting out on comedy, like on stage or on Twitter. Yeah, but at the same time, like if you date an artist, their life is, you know, Bono. Not to quote you two, but like Bono has this. I know you love him. You love Bono, boy. Like, Bono has this lyric, every artist is a cannibal, every poet is a thief, all kill their inspiration to sing about the grief. And I kind of feel like that's really, really like, like you can't help but but use what's going on in your life. I can't. Yeah. I can't help it. Even if I don't want to, it comes out. Like on a podcast, I'll be like, like even this guy I'm th- dating. I think podcasting has made it harder. 
because even, people are talking about your life and you're just like, oh, I got a story. Whereas at least on stage, I'm, I'm in my head going, oh, I, I don't, I want, I don't want every story on stage to be a new story because I want, I want to work them out. Of course. Whereas on a podcast, you're even apologizing, like, oh, I've already told this, I've already told that. It's like, who, who cares? True. You know, we do repeat stories, and like, if you see us on stage for every week, you know, every night for a week, you're gonna see a lot of the same stuff. Well, I guess too, like, I just mean, like, I said I wasn't gonna talk about the guy I'm dating on my podcast. Yeah. Because I just every time I've done it, I've kind of sometimes like it started to somehow. I don't know. It just, I just kind of am like, I'm not keeping anything private. Is it fair to them? I start thinking about it, but I also just can't help because it's who I am. And it's also what makes the podcast interesting is like, it's real and vulnerable, but it's, it's like, I just can't help it. So even with this guy, like I'll talk about, and also I get embarrassed because like, you know, when you date someone that you keep breaking up with them, you stop telling, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? And then you stop telling your friends at some point, you're like, I can't tell anyone when I get back together with this person again, it's like becoming embarrassing. Well, I'm doing that with like a whole big audience. I have to tell you that the the one, I did have one, uh, my my first, I guess she was a fiance after Kristen, who's the one I was with forever, after she left, I was with this woman for a year and we didn't belong together. We both rebounded into each other. And um, like, we definitely did not belong together. And uh, we, I was so crazy, she was so crazy that we did break up multiple times. And she kept secret for the last four months that I was with her from her best friends in the world that we were back together Of again. course. And I was like, I was like, you didn't tell him? She goes, yeah, but that last time you did act like, an, and I did, I acted like a complete fucking lunatic. I get it. I mean, at some point and, um, you have to keep it a secret. And so she's like, well, if we keep it together for a while, then I'll, um, then I'll tell him. And I was like, no, you got to tell him now, which is like, you know, cause it does, it hurts that they don't know Yeah. that, that she can't like, cause if, sooner or later they're going to be like, I oh, remember that crazy guy you, you used to date. And she'd be like, oh yeah, that guy was an asshole. Meanwhile, I'm at home at, at our, you know what I mean? Like, like I've I, done that. Cause I, it's, but I realized I was, I was so stupid and out of control with this woman that keeping it a secret was probably a good thing. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't comment too much on that. I love how you're like, oh yeah, do it all the time. No, <laughs> well, that's it's, <healthy. laughs> it's like I got mad at the guy that I've been dating now because it's a secret. But then at other times, I'm like so glad it's a secret because I don't want, because we keep breaking up. Like I mean, like it should be a secret, but then yeah. also I'm like, why are you keeping me a secret? Like it's annoying. Yeah. I just want to be dead. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Kidding, kidding. We got that news on the, on the I Am podcast. Kidding. It's like, how'd you get your life together? I just wanted to be dead. But do you ever like, I would never, ever, 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 ever commit suicide. Like I don't really want to die, but do you ever yeah. just think to yourself like the only way out of so much of this is just. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think anybody in the arts thinks that, and I think most people not in the arts think that. It's like, I, I honestly think that everybody sooner or later you're gonna have a suicidal thought where you actually. It's not that I want to kill it. myself. I yeah. just think sometimes I wouldn't be sad if the plane went down. Oh, I think that all the time. <laughs> no, all the time I'm just like, ah, this is the plane that takes me out. At least it's fast. And I, but I always say this: is I want to crash on the takeoff, not the landing. I, I don't want the last six hours of my life to have been spent in a tube. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if my plane coming back from Beirut, if I've been 30 hours of travel and then crash, I've been like, fuck this life. <laughs> like, why, why not just stay in Beirut? This sucks. Yeah. Um, all right, so you're doing comedy. Let me ask you this. What inspires you? Like who or what? Not necessarily comedy, just life. Oh, man, that's a hard one. I know. Well, that, that's, that's where this podcast was trying Everything. to get. But we have too much fun. I mean, uh, what inspires me the most? Well, not in comedy and life. I'm just saying, 
because with comedians we, we instantly go to oh watching this guy watching no. this woman watching what inspires this. me the most is being around my friends who make me there's certain friends you have that chemistry with yeah. that like you know those friends you vibe with so well that the whole time you're together you're just cracking jokes and not everybody brings that out in you yeah I, i'm so inspired when i hang out with those people there are just certain people every like the whole time I'm hanging out i'm like i gotta write that down i gotta write yeah. that down i gotta write that down um, the interesting thing is you're, you're like that for me. Like, like uh, when I hang with you, because honestly, it's been an hour and five minutes that we've been doing this, and, it, and I feel like it's been five minutes. I know. Well, and also like... Like I'm, I'm literally rushing to get to my closing questions so this doesn't end up being... I know, two hour, hour and a half podcast, because yeah. I also have to, get, have to get out of here. Yeah, no, me too. That does inspire me. And also, um, uh, like I'm really inspired by nature... Like I'm a yeah. nature person. That's right. You go camping a lot. And like, I love you, camping. You love hiking. Like not. I mean, every you know, everybody yeah. on this side of town's doing Runyon Canyon or whatever. But like, no. You're actually like when you're out on the road, like you're in Utah, and you're like, oh, let's stick off into the hills for. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I get really inspired by nature. Like, uh, more like calm down. But for me, calm is inspiring because it's hard for me to find. Yeah, you're, you're very uh, anxious. High strung. All right, I'm going to ask you the last two questions, which is probably it's probably not fair because I know the answers. Okay. <laughs> um, just because we're so we're so close and honest with each other and hang out all the time. Maybe I don't know the answers. You probably won't. Oh, I geez. Think, I think you're a lot like me because I'm actually doing this podcast to find the answers to this question. Okay. Okay. So my question is, it's a two parter. Okay. Is how do you go to sleep at night, and what gets you out of bed in the morning? How do I go to sleep? How do you go to sleep at Xanax. night? Xanax. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Joking. Um, that's a hard question, yeah, Ron. I know it is. If And I, I know that my answer would be... The reason I'm doing this podcast is to find out what other people's answers are so I can use them. Well, this is really cheesy. But it's going to sound like a fucking like, meme on Instagram, but I mean it. Yeah. Like, success to me is peace of mind. That's it. It's not money. It's not fame. No. It's just peace of mind. So if everything in my life feels at peace, if I feel that my, like my career feels okay, I'm not, you know, I'm eating, I'm, my friendships and relationships are healthy, then I sleep well. And then when I wake up in the morning, I'm excited to start that again. So what gets me out of bed in the morning is just because I love what I do. Yeah. But when something's out of place and I don't feel at peace, yeah. then I use edibles okay. to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that totally works. But like uh, for me, I, it's got, taken me forever to get to a place where I don't worry about what everybody thinks anymore. Yeah. Like I'm happy with who I am and I, I'm confident that I'm a really good person. Are you are, are you are what you are? I am what I am. <laughs> I am what I am. <laughs> and the Lord said it. <laughs> Praise me because I told you to. What? Um, yeah, I am what I am. What? I am the way. You know, I recently read something that said like one um, interpretation of I am the way, the truth, the light. No one gets to heaven but through me. Yeah. That God, like Jesus meant I am as in like, like I as in all of us, not just him. Like, yeah. I am the way, like you are the way, the truth, the light. Yeah. So, well, the, the I am what I am is actually the the truth, the light. That's a Jesus thing. The other one is actually in the it's Hebrew, so well, it's in the Old Testament. Where we're, I think he was talking. To, I don't know who he's talking to. <laughs> or, 
Well, God, I mean, I should, talk- I should probably look up where this quote from my, where the title of my show comes from. I just love that. Yeah, your your quote is your show is named after a Bible quote, and you're like, where did this come from? Who said it? Who's he talking to? No, it's it's, it's literally. I, I was. It is a Bible quote, but I was quoting Popeye because it is like I just am what I am, and I think it's not until God you're... and Popeye. Yeah, well, Popeye, Robin Williams, Popeye, and the actual cartoon has more influence on my life than than my, my Christian upbringing. Um, oh my God, it's almost so seven. The, Did you know what time it is? Yeah, I've been watching the clock because I, I got a, I have an eight o'clock gig and I'm on sec first. So um, anyway. I, I, I want to thank you for doing this with me. Of course. And I, I also end every podcast with a hug. So you got to give me a hug. If you make out with me and then say I have a penis, I'm going to yell. <laughs> I didn't say you had a penis. You look like a boy. I hate uh, you. I love you. I love you so much. Maybe I should take a shower and come with you to the ice house. Uh, yeah. Come with me. Okay. Hey, bye.